Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Peter Secker, CEO of Bacanora Lithium. They're listed here in London. They've got two projects, one in Mexico, extremely large project indeed. It's at a fairly advanced stage. Uh, they've got Gang Feng as a partner uh, and off-taker along with Hanwha. Um, they also have a number of significant uh, institutional investors. So um, lots to like about this project. The uh, plan is significantly advanced. They hope to be putting a shovel in the ground, start building their plant in the next six to nine months and getting into production in 2020. So a few things to do before then, of course. Uh, we talk about their German asset and what they're doing with that or not. Uh, so enjoy the podcast. Peter, how are you doing, sir? Very well, thank you, Matt. Uh, good to be talking to you. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thanks for coming on the show and telling us a little bit about your story. So where are you at the moment? Uh, currently in Soho, uh, trying to work through the lockdown, uh, enjoying the quiet for a change. The quiet of Soho or the, or the, the quiet of the lockdown? Both. both. It's, yes. it's, a, it's a nice place to be. I used to live quite near you. I was around in Covent Garden and I had a very different experience. It's a very, very noisy place to live, it seemed. And, and Soho is just about to, or just starting to open up. So a few more pubs open, a few more restaurants, a few more people. Right. Uh, but the last 100 days have been very quiet. Well, okay. Okay, enjoy it while it lasts. I will. <laughs> okay, so why don't we kick up? It's a new story to us, new story to people watching the show. So just give us that one minute overview and then we'll pick it up from there. Okay, so we're focusing on the Sonora Lithium Project in Mexico. Uh, very much demonstrating project economics. We've got strong economics from the deposit. Uh, we have a strong team of people, world-class, uh, with a lot of lithium experience. And we have partners uh, in Asia uh, and in UK that are both focused on the, uh, the technology side and the economic side and, and also the off-take side. So project people and partners. Okay, so you, you're quite an advanced story, but I always like to get in the minds of the management teams you know, to understand who I'm buying into, you know, what their capabilities are and relevant experiences. So you've been there about six years. The company's been going just a little bit longer than that. What did you guys set out to do back then, which would have been, you know, pre the last sort of peak in the lithium market? Well, originally we were looking for industrial minerals uh, and, and more generic minerals than, than anything specific. Uh, and, and geologists, uh, thankfully, uh, driving from uh, a work site to, to their camp, came across a, a strong outcrop. So an outcrop that stretched about seven kilometers uh, and, and finally worked out to be 100,000 uh, hectares in, in size. I mean, you can compare that to 100,000 football fields in size uh, uh, and a deposit that is 40 meters thick, uh, five kilometers long. So they, they found the deposit, um, did some multi-element analysis, uh, really looking for anything and, uh, and strong background lithium uh, samples came back. So we, we moved uh, our whole exploration focus from northern Mexico to western Mexico and and now Sonora is our is our key focus and Sonora Lithium Project has turned out to be a world-class deposit. Okay, but, but so you found this by accident, stumbled across yeah. it literally uh, and yeah. you thought right okay so what, what can we do with this thing? So what do we understand about lithium? What do we understand about the lithium market? And where do we position ourselves? So what were the answers to those questions? It comes back to the project economics uh, and the product itself. So lots of lithium in the world, there, there is no shortage of lithium. Uh, you have to demonstrate that you can produce a product that an off-taker wants, uh, and you have to demonstrate you can produce it at, at a low 
point on the cost curve. So the first thing we did was uh, raise some money in the London market from, uh, from M&G uh, and, and built a, a small pilot plant in Mexico. Nothing better than having your own plant, having your own team and starting early. So built the plant, started producing samples and sent those samples to Asia, mainly to Japan and, and China, which is where 95% of the world's lithium batteries are, are made. You seem to be like skipping to quite an advanced stage in the process. I was like, you know, you stumbled across something and you said, we're going to be a lithium producer, right? That, that, you went straight to that. You said, that's the right route. You weren't explorers, developers. You thought we can produce this ourselves, even though there's a lot of lithium in the market. Correct. And, and we had strong support from our shareholders to, to do that. Um, so building a pilot plant was the best thing we did. We brought a team down from the US, people who'd made lithium before in very many parts of the world <clears throat> and demonstrated that we could produce lithium uh, on a cost competitive basis with the, uh, the, the guys in South America, in Chile and Argentina, who lead the world uh, in lithium production. Okay, so tell me about this. So you're, you're a bunch of explorers, you're going to get into production, you're building a plant, there's a bunch of different skill sets required. So how did you go from, we've discovered this, to putting the team together who are capable of building even a pilot plant? Sure. So there, there's a lot of expertise in, in North America, uh, mainly focused in, in North Carolina, which at one time was the world's biggest lithium producer. Uh, you have both FMC, now Livant, and Albemarle operating there. So we, we borrowed some people from, from that area, uh, guys who built projects in North America and also in, in Argentina and Chile. And that became the core focus. Eric Carter leads that team. Uh, and between him and, and his operating group, I mean, over 130 years of lithium expertise. <clears throat> and very much focused on, on building a project that, that is competitive with the lowest cost producers. Uh, not focusing on, on producing uh, lithium, but focusing on producing a high quality product at the lowest end of the curve. So what's your experience? Um, 40 years in the mining industry. Uh, initially, Australia iron ore and gold, and then got involved in titanium uh, very early on in the, uh, the late 80s, early 90s. <clears throat> and titanium processing, sulfate processing is very similar to lithium sulfate processing. So had a bit of a background in, in lithium uh, and titanium. Uh, went to China, spent 15 years building gold and copper mines in China. Uh, and then in 2007, eight, got involved in lithium in, in North America, in, in Quebec, and built a lithium project for the Quebec government. Um, <clears throat> saw that project in 2013, uh, knew of Bacanora, but didn't know much about it. Um, had, had known the previous chairman reasonably well, and, and he said, come down and have a look, see what we're doing in Mexico, see if you like it, see what, what you think about it, uh, and give me an opinion. And <clears throat> very much went down fell in love with both the country and the, and the project um, and have now been here almost six years. It's been a tough two and a half years, hasn't it? It's been a, <laughs> it's been a tough for the lithium market. It's been a very tough two and a half years. Um, significant oversupply coming out of Australia. <clears throat> and, and the problem with Australia is uh, lots of lithium, uh, no question, but tend to be small resources with uh, short reserve life and right at the top of the cost curve. So you so the Australians bring on a lot of new production, uh, very expensive production, have flooded the market, and are now finding that uh, production at the high end of the cost curve doesn't work uh, when you have a price that's below your cost of production. And a lot of the Australians are now seeing that. 
I would say it's also been a tough two and a half years for your company. Uh, two and a half years? I think it's... Well, I'm looking at the, the share, building, I'm looking at the share price. Oh, building projects is never easy, Matt. That's, that's, uh, there's lots of ups and downs. I mean, we, we, we tried the route of having strong strategic investors, um, mainly on the corporate side, mainly institutional side, to fund the project <clears throat> and discovered that the market wanted us to have more technical support, wanted us to have more support from a lithium producer. And so 12 months ago, just over 12 months ago, uh, we got involved with Ganfeng. They were looking to expand uh, Ganfeng, the second largest lithium producer in the world. Uh, they have projects in China and Australia and Argentina. They liked the deposit. They liked the fact that it was sitting at the lower end of the cost curve, the fact that it has a 300-year resource life, the fact that it produces a high-quality product. Uh, so Ganfeng came on board uh, 12 months ago, both at the project level and at the, the BCN uh, corporate level, and are now helping us uh, and assisting us build the mine and bring it into production. Okay, well, let, let's come on to the project in Mexico because I want to come back to the, the macro component and how you're going to win, okay? So why don't you kind of break it down? You, you, you've got a feasibility study. Why don't you kind of give us the highlights of the uh, numbers? Uh, so the numbers, so it, it's an open pit mining project. Uh, it's a shale type mineralization, so it, it's relatively soft. We don't have to drill or blast. So low operating cost in the mine, low stripping ratios. Uh, bring it to the uh, plant site, and the plant site is just a concentrator. Uh, and then a kiln and, and then a hydromet lithium plant. So mining costs uh, around $600 per tonne. I'm talking in tons per dollars per tonne of lithium carbonate. Um, <clears throat> and then concentrate uh, to lithium sulfate. Uh, that's around another 1500. And then you've got another uh, back end cost to produce a, a final product, which is a battery grade lithium product that goes to the market of around $1,500. So you're producing lithium carbonate for just over $4,000 a tonne, uh, which sits at sort of the bottom of the curve. You're producing a 99.9% product, which is very much what the Asian battery manufacturers want. You're close to infrastructure, and, and you have a, a team of people in Mexico who've, who've done it before. Okay. So the numbers are okay, aren't they? I mean, the CapEx not too much. The, the IRRs, whatever it is, 21% post-tax. It, it, you know, anything over 20 is good for me. No one cares. <laughs> Do they? The market's not reacting to the those numbers or the fact you've got Gang Feng involved. Why not? And that's why lithium is a long-term strategy. So we we are in a, in a economy where there is an oversupply coming out of Australia, and people are looking at that, saying, "Who needs to bring on another lithium mine? You need to bring on a mine which has a long life and which is going to produce at four thousand dollars a ton for the next three hundred years." and will survive the ups and downs of the market. It doesn't matter whether you're a copper producer or a nickel producer or, or a cobalt producer, these markets cycle. And we want to be there for the long term. So our investors, whether it's Hanwha Corporation from Japan or whether it's Ganfeng or whether it's M&G, are looking for a long-term investment that will survive the ups and downs. Okay, but for you, in terms of driving that share price, you need retail to get excited about lithium and what you're doing and the types of returns. And after two and a half years of downward pressure on the share price, they're not listening anymore. So what are you gonna do? Well, they will start to listen once we have a development timetable. Uh, and we've told the market that by the end of this year, we will have engineering completed. Uh, we will have an investment decision Q1 next year. And the main focus for us is being in production by 2023. Forget 21, 22, because those are gonna be hard times in the lithium market. 
We want to be in production by 2023 when both supply demand is in our favour and pricing is in our favour and the world is looking for new supply. Okay, so talk to me about this. You've got a lot of components in place. You've got, the, you've got some good partners, you've got some offtake agreements there, you, you've got a feasibility study there. What's, and you've got some permits. Um, you know, so what's, what's outstanding? What, what's missing in all of this? So we, we have brought Ganfeng on stream, both as a partner and, and an, an investor. And Ganfeng have a technology uh, that is proven throughout the world. They produce lithium in China and Australia and, and are building a plant in Argentina. So we, we will take their team out of Argentina when that's completed. Uh, and those guys will assist us to build a plant in Mexico. Uh, they will do the engineering and they will give us a plant that uh, is in, in their view, world-class and produce a product that is not just suitable for the current market, but is suitable for the market in 2025 or 2030. Because as, as battery chemistries change, as people look for more and more uh, downstream, looking for more and more uh, quality, then, then our deposit can produce a 99.9, a 99.995, a 99.999. So again, thing are looking for us to be their long-term lithium producer in the Americas. So that's what they're doing. What are you doing? Uh, we're very much following that strategy. We want to be a long-term producer in the Americas. We want to have a mine that, that is capable of going from 20,000 tons a year to 50,000 tons a year of being a world-class producer. Uh, and obviously building and, and getting uh, cash flow going and then returning dividend to shareholders. Yeah, but that, that all sounds quite ethereal to me. I, I want to know, so between now and when you start producing, what are you doing in terms of, you know, whether it be refining the, the costs or getting additional permits in place or positioning yourself in the market or telling the story? But, you know, what, what, are, you, what are you going to do? What have you targeted? What have you or the board targeted yourself with doing? So very much focused on the, the project in terms of building a team that will operate both a construction phase and an operating phase. <clears throat> we have a, a pilot plant in Mexico that, that has 40 people at the moment that will continue to operate uh, and that team will move on to the construction phase. So, so people are key to this. Technology we have from Ganfeng <clears throat> and then we have strong partners in Mexico. Sonora government very much focused on an integrated lithium strategy. They want to mine lithium in Sonora. They want to have lithium produced for, for batteries in Sonora and they want to have EVs made in Sonora. So, so support from the government, permitting, as you say, is, is done. Engineering is 80% done. Uh, we want this to be in construction by Q1 2021. Okay, and you know, we're hearing stories um, from the silver space, you know, experiencing problems in Mexico. Are you, are you, have you come across any issues at a state or federal level in terms of moving this forward? Sonora is the largest mining state in Mexico, very strong mineral resources strategy, uh, government very supportive. Uh, we are uh, operating next door to Ford, which is the largest employer in Hermosillo, over 20,000 people. So now we've had nothing but support from both the, the state and the federal government uh, across the board. Okay. You've got a project in Germany, that well-known mining yeah. jurisdiction, Germany. Why? Um, originally, we had thought that we wanted to bisect the market, have a, have a project that was focused on Europe and the European battery manufacturers, and obviously... Uh, North America and the North American Asian manufacturers. Uh, we found out the hard way, it's very difficult to run two projects. <clears throat> Sonora's world-class, uh, Germany is not as, uh, as strategic, not as uh, financially beneficial to shareholders. So we have said that we will look to spin that out uh, in the next six to 12 months. So it won't be a focus, we'll be a shareholder 
but our focus is very much on the Sonora project and bringing it on stream by 2023. Is the, I mean, given that whole European ecosystem for the you know, battery metals, uh, you know, EV thematic, it, are there any buyers? Would there be any buyers? I mean, you can spin it out, but do you well, mean sale of, or do you mean spin out? Uh, we are looking to maintain an equity interest, so it's not going to be a, a total sale. Uh, we want to bring in a partner who will who will build it and develop it, bring in a management team. Uh, so we want to maintain an interest, but it doesn't want to be a, a management focus for back and forth. We want to focus on a 300-year project that produces for $4,000 a ton. When do you know what the cost of your money is going to be? Um, the cost of our money. So if you look at the project, call it a $400 million project for Sonora. We've already uh, <clears throat> sorted out the debt financing that's coming from Redkite. So 150 million of the financing is, is done from, from the, the debt side of things. Uh, Ganfing at both the project level and the corporate level uh, will invest 22.5% in the project and 30% in the, uh, the corporate equity. So that's another $150 million. So, I mean, three quarters of the project is financed. Then you have M&G sitting at 20%. Uh, you have Hanwha sitting at 5%. So the, the financing, um, while always a risk, is, is pretty much mitigated. Uh, it's more going to be a, a development project with, with the risk of the mine in Mexico. But the debt is usually conditional on you know, getting the equity in. And there's, there's a relationship between the debt and the equity. Both sides want to understand what the other side is going to charge. So can you tell me a little bit more about those conversations? Because M&G aren't necessarily going to come in for... A, a big wedge of cash, their shareholders, but are they going to follow their money? Uh, they've said they'll always follow their money. I mean, they, they've uh, they started a 10% shareholding five years ago, uh, increased that to uh, 20%. So they've always been a strong shareholder. Hanwha uh, is an off-taker. Uh, so they both have equity in the project and, and off-take and are committed. <clears throat> as I say, Ganfeng is a joint venture partner as well as uh, an equity shareholder. So their $150 million will, will underpin the uh, the next range of uh, investments. Okay. Any idea, have you spoken about terms? Do you sort of understand, what, again, what the cost is going to be? Cost of money will, will be determined at the time when we raise the money. Um, and we're assuming that that, that will come post the, the final engineering and a board decision in 2021. Okay. So what's the message to your retail following? Is it sit and wait? Um, follow the developments over the next, and, and now it's only five months. I mean, basically in five months time, we, we will have everything completed. Permitting is done. Engineering will be done. Team will be in place. Uh, and, and we'll tell shareholders uh, the financing uh, timetable. And, and yes, we want a construction uh, of just under two years and being in production 2023. So and do you, how compelling do you feel this story is for new people looking at companies like yourself? I mean, lithium, as you said, it's been it's been hammered in the marketplace. It's been a very difficult time. Uh, Australia, it's a pretty much a dirty word at the moment. So, how do you get new investors interested in your story versus the next story? So, there's only one lithium project in development at the moment. Uh, that's the Lithium Americas Ganfeng project in Argentina. That will be completed towards the end of this year. <clears throat> and just remember that name, Ganfeng, because Ganfeng are building uh, in Argentina. Uh, and, and we'll build their next project in, in Mexico and, and, and we as the major shareholder will follow that joint venture uh, strategy. So if you want to be uh, involved in the next lithium project that gets built, it's going to be Bacanora. If you want to be involved in a world-class project that lasts 300 years, that's Bacanora. But if you more importantly want to be investing in a project 
that produces the highest quality product at the lower end of the cost curve, that's Bacanora. So you don't want to be investing in high cost hard rock in Australasia. You want to be investing in low cost, long life, strategic assets in North America that can feed into the Asian market because the Asian market still builds 95% of the world's lithium batteries. Yeah, I mean, you, you spend a few pages talking about the, the macro story. So give us your overview of the timeline of the lithium recovery. Well, lithium recovery, uh, I would, <clears throat> I don't have a crystal ball, but I would say that the, the pricing uh, pressure is now coming off. You're starting to see increased EV sales out of China post, post virus. You're starting to see increased sales at the US and, and obviously big investments by European uh, governments in the, uh, just call it the green energy space. So everybody talks about EVs driving the market. EV will be the base load, um, but it's really the renewable energy storage, the grid storage, the big battery storage that will be the cream on the, on the cake. <clears throat> if you look at a, a, a car battery, um, typical size of a battery, 50 kilos of lithium, maybe 60 kilos of lithium, these big batteries, um, anything from 100 tons to 200 tons of lithium in, in these big lithium grid storage batteries. So yes, EV is underpinning demand, but renewable energy storage really pushing demand post 2023. And have you got a, so that's interesting to me, have you got a sense of the size of that market? Because you obviously got the VRFB uh, you know, proponents and who would argue that longer term storage batteries are, are the way forward. So how do you see those two sitting alongside each other? Well, at the moment, if you look at the, at the space for, for lithium, um, and this is downstream lithium, uh, probably 80% of the world's lithium goes into the, the EV market. And you call those portable batteries, no matter what they are, um, but they, they move around. The, the grid storage story is by far the, the more compelling. Um, China has, has invested billions of dollars in onshore wind and onshore solar. Uh, and they have over 100 gigawatts of renewable energy in, the, in that space. Uh, <clears throat> you now have Germany saying they're going to invest 60 billion into uh, the green energy story, and that will require energy storage. South Korea is saying 65 billion in the renewable energy storage. <clears throat> and then you had uh, Mr. Biden, day before yesterday, saying he's going to invest $2 trillion in, in the, the green energy story over the next five years. So, so that's where lithium demand will be really pushed. So let's just assume um, that some $3 trillion is going to be spent in the next five years on renewable energy. Um, you can generate as much energy as you want, 100 gigawatts, 200 gigawatts, but you have to store it. It's, it's intermittent, um, but you need supply 24-7, and that's where storage batteries and lithium storage batteries come into play. Interesting. Okay. We'll have to do a bit of digging on that. I hadn't really thought of a lithium as a player in that space. I'm not a meaningful player anyway. Um, brilliant, Peter. Thanks for running through that story. New to us. Uh, first time we've met or spoken. Appreciate uh, you going through the story. Um, you've got quite a few del deliverables coming up in a very short space of time. I guess as they hit the market, um, you'll start to see whether people are paying attention or not. No, the next six months will be very exciting. Uh, I mean, we want to be digging a hole in the ground in Sonora uh, in eight months' time. So yes, watch this space. Beautiful. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.